Welcome to the Work Matters Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about what matters at work and how to make it better. Work has a significant impact on not just our economic well-being, but our physical well-being, our social well-being, and our general happiness in life and fulfillment. And that's why we started this podcast, to talk about the different things that matter at work and how to make them better. My name's Steve Hunt. I'm joined with Robert Richardson, my co-host. Robert, what matters at work today? Steve, finding work matters. Job hunts matter. Steve, how have you gone about finding jobs in the past? Well, it's definitely changed, you know, as my career has gone on. I remember um, when I got out of grad school, I actually got, I found a job by looking up in the phone book, a company that did stuff in my area and field and just calling them on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those were kind of the days, right? How did you find out about the position? Well, I found about it because you know, I'm in a, in a pretty specialized field of industrial organizational psychology, and this, they were a company that you know did IO psychology. I knew they had an office in the place where I was moving to, which was Cleveland at the time. But um, but since then, if I go since then, what's changed? You know, that was kind of when the internet was just starting, and now the other jobs, you know, the jobs have found me. Um, it's been you know people have reached out to me and through connections, and it's it's you know it's it's so different now the way you get work than the way you used to. I also really like what you said about being found because we happen to have someone here with us today, Doug Berg, who's an expert in this field. And he's going to talk about not just how can you find jobs, but how can you optimize your own profiles so that people are finding you as well. Doug is an entrepreneur who's taken multiple companies from startup to market leader and acquisition. He was the founder of Quantum Consulting and Placement where Doug worked with hundreds of companies to find and place talent and interviewed thousands of job seekers, which really got him started along the path of techies.com, which was a top IT career site in 1999, and then Jobs to Web, which really revolutionized the job market with recruiting marketing technologies that help companies power their career site, job marketing strategies, and really track performance. And then most recently, he founded ZapInfo and technology helping recruiters to automate how they find and engage candidates online. And now he's here to help you find your next gig. So Doug, that was a mouthful. Welcome to the Work Matters Podcast. You have spent your career helping put people to work. What interests you in this topic? Why have you dedicated your life to this? Um, Robert, it's just, uh, you know, I wish I would have told you when I was a kid, I, I wanted to grow up and be a, a, a people connector, a recruiter, a technologist, but uh, it really was more of a happy accident. I just really enjoy helping people to discover what they do, connecting them to opportunities, uh, especially in their work life. And of course, as a technologist, I've had the kind of interesting uh, experience to look at all the technology, the processes and everything that are now in place that are, are in the middle of a candidate getting a job at a company and all of the things, the hurdles, if you will, that a candidate needs to go through just yeah. to apply for a job or to find yeah. that right type of position or company. And so it's been a career long passion of mine to remove that friction and to try to find ways to use technology to help people find that next position and to make the application in the process of making those career transitions less frustrating. So why is this so hard? Why is it so hard for companies to find the right candidates and for candidates to find the right jobs? 
Yeah, I think it's it's the the combination, Robert. Right, of that there needs to be a skills and experiential match. Right, the the thing I need to do if I'm a anything from a software developer to an industrial psychologist, there there's mm-hmm. the skill side of the job, but then there's the culture fit, if you will. There's the attribution fit, I'll call it, right? So, you you know, you have to think more about like, if I was going to go on vacation, or if I was going to go on a trip, not only where would I go, but how would I go? Would I fly? Would I drive? Would I go with lots of friends or alone? I I think a lot of that kind of stuff is the stuff that candidates don't spend really a good amount of time on. And so you can be a perfect skills match for a job, but a horrible kind of culture and attribution (laughs) match. And that's the thing I've seen where people make this incredible career move. They call me, they're like, oh, I found this perfect job. It it matches my skills perfect. And within a week or two, they blow out of the place, either get fired or leave because they're like, I hated the company. I hated my boss, how they went about doing their projects. Uh, You know, even the, uh, you know, what they serve for lunch in the lunchroom. Like there was just all these things that blew up that were a complete surprise to the candidate because they hadn't thought through some of the attribution sides of the type of job and workplace they want to be in. There's sort of two parts of that, right? The first is finding the job itself. And then the other aspect is finding a, a cultural fit that really works for you as a person. So can we start on, on the first side? How do you go about sure. ensuring that you're you're finding the right positions? Yeah. So look, one of the greatest things is that companies have entire departments of people focused on recruiting and finding talent is a huge problem. But if you've ever looked at jobs on company websites, Robert, they can sometimes read like they're a different language, right? Like French or German, just because of how they name titles and use acronyms. I mean, we are looking for an SME 124. It's like, what, what is that? You know? <laughs> right. Uh, and, 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 and when you when you read and how they describe the job and what degree or experience levels they want, again, every company seems to be different. And so I encourage candidates to just spend time doing research, go out and search, you know, big job boards and company sites and start to learn what language, what skills, what descriptions that they are using to describe what they think they want. And then start to integrate that into how you describe yourself, especially if you can start saying, well, that's what I do descriptionally, but I didn't uh, add that tidally to myself. So there's just an int- a tremendous amount of kind of interpretation and language fitting that candidates can kind of do to keyword um, update their resumes. And once you understand what these things are, right, then you can get less frustrated, kind of know what to search for when you're out on the web, just to be able to find not only jobs, but even if you're looking to do social networking, sometimes how people describe themselves tidally and descriptively on sites like LinkedIn, this just really helps you to know kind of what to search for. Uh, as you're starting to do your research and networking. So first, go online and really hunt for yourself, so to speak. What are the types of jobs that you're looking for? Understand how companies are searching for you and then sort of play that back, right? Don't overdo it, but uh, find the same keywords that they're leveraging and ensure that those are embedded in your own profiles, in your own resumes, in in the places that recruiters are going to see you. That's exactly right. What about the cultural fit? So how can someone go about ensuring a cultural fit at an organization? Yeah, I think what's interesting is it's hard to search and find culture fit on the internet, right? Yeah. You can maybe yeah. get some of it by looking at the company's 
uh, candidate or employee testimonial videos, you might be able to pick up a little bit about what their culture is and what their how, how they go about doing their work and their projects. But a lot of those videos, as you and I know, are, are, are kind of manufactured, right? It's not like the man on the street interview most of the time. It's, they're presenting you with what they aspire to in most cases. So the culture fit piece of it really is up to the candidate to really dig into while you're in the interview process and while you're interacting and talking and interviewing uh, as a as a candidate in consideration of the process. So some of it, you just need to know what you're looking for, have it in your back pocket. And then as you engage and start getting into the interview process, mm-hmm. really understand mm-hmm. kind of what those four or five key culture things are that you might be uh, wanting to know about. For example, I would coach candidates a lot just to understand, for example, if they were a software developer or something, do you like to work on your uh, on your own or do you like to work as a part of a larger team? Sure. And boy, the minute you would ask people that question, they immediately knew the answer, but they had never thought yeah. to bring that into the interview process. And then sometimes do you like to be creative, right? Do you like to create your own yeah, applications yeah. or do you want to write an application that somebody has already basically architected and designed and you're just putting code to it? So there, there's a lot of those nuances from different career types, whether you're a salesperson or an account manager, that you can just really get to understand or ask yourself and understand what those things are so that as you go in an interview with different companies, the things that have frustrated you in the past are your tell on what's going to frustrate you in the future. And just make sure you've got a little list of those that you know how to turn into questions as you go through any interview process. Yeah, I love that. So, so I, I really appreciate that. And I want to, I want to put one idea out there as well, which is this uh, concept of the informational interview, just for our guests, an informational interview, if you're not familiar with this concept is uh, the idea that you could meet with somebody at a company and really just seek information and you are really interviewing that person at the company to try and figure out what are roles like yours if you're interviewing somebody that's in a job that you might apply for uh what do you seek in terms of a a candidate if you're interviewing a manager uh that you know oversees positions like that one that you want to apply for right what is the culture like how does it feel to work at this company Yeah. And look, Robert, I think we're doing informational interviews all the time. I mean, I went out to dinner last night and met three new friends and the conversation Mm. almost quickly turned Mm. to what do you do for a living? Where do you work? Do you like it there? What do you like about it? You know, how how long have you made? So in a way, a lot of us are doing this all the time anyhow. And I think people can just kind of turn that up. And uh, as they're going through a job transition to just kind of do it as a networking type of a thing. So you can make it really formal. Or you can just add it to your everyday conversation with folks because probably 60 to 70% of people, that's how they find their new gig. It isn't always by going to the job board or looking in the newspaper. It's literally through these kind of friend to friend or networking conversations uh, where somebody might say, hey, if you're a developer and I know you were asking about it, we're hiring for folks. Let me know if you'd like to be uh, intro to the manager. So, yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. Uh, this, This concept of social. Sometimes inside your social sphere, you may know people personally who can connect you and and get you the information that you need. Other times, you do need to manufacture that a little bit. So can we talk about, you know, tools like LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter? How do people leverage social tools like that to help them find their next position? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, you know, if we can start with LinkedIn, I think LinkedIn obviously is one of the biggest professional networks. 
um, in the marketplace. And, uh, you know, what I've noticed, and I've looked at thousands of LinkedIn profiles and have a lot of connections, is that people either, it's just like social networking, they either overrepresent or describe themselves to every <laughs> little last detail of what they do, or they just say, I'm, you know, this job title at that company, and there's literally like nothing in their description. <laughs> sure. So sure. if you if you want to enhance, especially at a time of job transition, it really is valuable for you to have a nice balanced, maybe three paragraph, I call it the three paragraph rule, <laughs> which hmm. it, it describes what you're doing in all of your different experiences. And the idea okay. is to distill down those three experiences that'll not only get you the job, but are the stuff that you love to do, right? So leave out the stuff yeah. you don't want, put in the stuff that you do. And sometimes I've just seen people get like what I'll call writer's block around how to describe <laughs> what they do. So again, back to what we talked about earlier, you can also just jump on a site like LinkedIn or even Indeed or other sites and search for other people's resumes. See how the similar people that in the job that you're doing have described <laughs> themselves. And then also yeah. go to the jobs that are similar to what you want and see how the companies are describing. I guarantee you within 10 to 20, either profile or job descriptions, you'll have an abundance of content. I appreciate what you're saying because I have some experience with this writer's block concept, right? The hardest thing that I tend to find is to fill out the LinkedIn profile, right? Because it's just, it's talking about yourself. It feels weird. So it yeah. sounds like your advice is go out there and see how other people have done it. See what the company is looking for and use that as the basis for some of your writing. What Absolutely. about that? What about Facebook? Do, do people do people search for jobs on Facebook or companies searching for, for candidates on Facebook? That's a great question, Robert. You know, the sneaky thing is, and most people haven't been paying attention much, but Facebook is inching more and more into what I will call LinkedIn's business. And so if you didn't mm. know this, you can go to facebook.com slash jobs. And now that part of the Facebook network, just like the marketplace where you can sell stuff out of your garage, <laughs> now on yeah. Facebook jobs, you can search for <laughs> jobs and it's getting and becoming almost bigger than some of the other job boards. And it's especially good for jobs like in your neighborhood or in your area, or maybe jobs that aren't don't require a bachelor's degree, right? The, the jobs at your yeah. local restaurant or pizza delivery place or any of those types of jobs are the real place that you'll find these Facebook jobs. And what's cool about what they've done there is unlike applying for a job and twiddling your thumbs and waiting for weeks, on Facebook jobs, when you apply, you'll almost get an instant reply, uh, response because they've built really neat kind of client side or employer side tools where they'll instantly mm. look at your background. They'll ask you some questions that qualify you. If you answer them right, you'll go right to the top of the list. They can set up the sure. interview with you immediately on Facebook and move you through the entire employment process. So they've kind of built in the neat parts of on top of the Facebook platform, the entire hiring process. And so, you know, all of the interactions and everything, just like if I was going to buy your used lawnmower, Robert, I would see that it's you. <laughs> I would see right. a little bit about how we're connected to each other, right? And, you know, who is my manager? Oh, it's Jim. Oh, look, Jim and Jim likes a certain band or music or kids are in the soccer team. And so there's just a lot of really nice value added information that can optimize yeah. both the candidate and the employer's ability to connect on those networks. And I think we'll start seeing. And by the way, when you apply, you have to add in your resume to your Facebook profile. So if you haven't yet mm. done that, you can go to your about area of your own Facebook page and you will see that you can literally put in almost better information than you can on your LinkedIn profile. It lets you describe your skills. It lets you define your projects, who you worked with on your project. So 
they are architecturally moving into a space where I predict within the next year or two, they, they, it will be a very, like you'll be able to launch your professional Facebook network and then keep your personal side of your, of your connections separate. So look for that to unfold here in the very near future. Very interesting. So we, you know, we mentioned that we were going to be sure to help folks understand not just, you know, how to find a job, but how to be found. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like in part, you're saying LinkedIn and Facebook are two of the tools that are out there, not just for you to find a position within, but where recruiters and people like them will find you as well. And so make sure you're optimizing those kind of profiles. What about Twitter? I mean, Instagram, anything else? Any other GitHub, Reddit, right? Other uh, other non-traditional tools? I have never met a person that said they got a job on Twitter, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but what's interesting is, and, and there was a while that I think in the kind of mid-90s when Twitter first launched, people were trying to tweet their jobs and uh, get them found out there. It just fizzled. Mm-hmm. However, on Twitter, if you're a tweeter, uh, there's ways to go out and identify and find people that are in target companies that you might want to work for. There are large groups, conferences, and events that you can go and find and follow. And in those uh, tweet streams, I call it, there will be influencers and there will be people that you will want to get to know. And as they're posting content and information, you'll want to respond to it and respond to it with really valuable insights and very valuable pieces of information, which will drive engagement for you. So, you know, beyond Twitter and Facebook, I recommend networks like Meetup and Quora and Stack Overflow. Those are networks that are built largely to to help you network with skills groups. Uh, For example, on Meetup, there's Python groups, there's Agile groups, there's groups for nurses, there's groups for everything. And if you go there, you'll not only get to see when they're doing their virtual online events together where they just meet up and usually it's broken up by market segments. So it's the Minneapolis Agile Project Management Group or something like that. You can join those groups, you get updated, you get to see the events, you get to network with everybody in the group, and it's all around your skill or career interest area. So there's really good social networks that are built specifically to help you with that. And those are the social groups that I would not only recommend for career transitions, but also even after you've got that new gig, improving your skills and just building your network of people that share the same interests as you. Yeah, I I love it because it sounds like what you're saying in part is there are tools out there that can help you find a job. There are tools out there that can help people find you for a job. And then there are tools out there that sort of, you know, do something in between. They're they're engagement tools. Like you say, people don't typically find a job on Twitter. um, But by the way, you sure can lose one there, right? Because (laughs) it really depends on how you engage. And so people are out there. uh, And when they find you maybe on on LinkedIn, uh, they are absolutely going out to Facebook, to Twitter, to other social areas to see how you engage online to try and figure out who you are and, and what you're like. And so uh, you need to be careful that you're engaging in a way that leaves people with uh, the most positive impression of you, the real you, as possible. That's correct. Yeah, I have a question. Knowing people that are like, especially coming out of college, and I remember feeling this way too and talking to people where you kind of have this graphic image of like there's companies, maybe there's a company you want to work for. You're like, that is an organization that I think I'd like to work for. But you kind of have this image of like the little farm kids staring at the giant city with the castle on top of it going, how in the world can I possibly get into that castle? Is there a tips or a strategy you would give to 
that little farm kid, that little college student mm-hmm. coming out saying, I want to work for company X. What, what would be like three or four things you say, we'll try this, 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 and this. Well, you just follow the yellow brick road. <laughs> but, but the yellow brick road is... We're mixing analogies here now. <laughs> uh, the yellow brick road is, is, is easy, to be honest with you. And again, this is where people don't always know that you can do certain types of things, especially on networks like uh, LinkedIn and on Facebook. So if I'm a college grad and I want to go work at XYZ company in my town, you can literally jump on and search for people that maybe went to the same college or we're from the same town as you who are now working there in an area that you might want to be interested in in going after. And you can literally Mm. just do outreach to those people, connect to them. It's a simple mouse click to say, hey, I'm graduating this spring and I am interested in in working at that company in that area. I would love to connect, find out how you got there, if you like it and what you like about it. And if you have any tips for me, and you'd be amazed at how many uh, times people will help their alumni or help their (laughs) people from their hometown to help say, yep, I'd love to chat with you. Let's jump on a quick zoom or a quick call, or I'll answer emails and be able to help connect you uh, to have optimize your chance to getting here. So there's just tremendous resources to being able online to do this. We couldn't have done this right pre-internet and stuff. And yet all of this information is available for people to get access to. Yeah. And then I guess I'd follow up. And when you get that, have prepared those three paragraphs that you were talking about and those strengths so you can come out of the gate with, this is why I wanted to talk to you in a, in a strong way. That's right. You, you have to have a, I'll call it a defensible or defined rationale for when you would say something, I've always want to work at you know your company. And somebody says, really, why? Well, you better be able to have the three bullet points of language and definition at your fingertips, right? It's not only that you're big and it's not only that you're a market leader. It's got to be some really specific types of things, uh, whether it be social causes or things you read on the website that are on the post-it note that are ready to, to be your answers, because that credibility will mean everything once you get to that conversation. Oh, I love that. I have a vested interest here because I have a son graduating from college, so I'm going <laughs> to play this to him. <laughs> well, well, here, uh, okay, so let's let's talk about that because when I meet with a lot of job seekers and people in transition, especially my son just finally got his first position here uh, after graduating from tech school, and I think he thought when he came out of tech school there was going to be 500 job offers for him. It didn't happen. And so he would apply for one job. And I think sometimes candidates get into that. It's a very emotional thing, right? Because you're putting your kind of your ego or whatever you want to call it on the line when you say, I'm going to go and apply for a job and I want you to judge me or (laughs) review me and see if I'm good enough. It's like American Idol, you know, also known (laughs) as career job hunting. And you think Simon Cowell is on the other side, right? And, And so- Uh, they'll apply for one job and then they'll sit back and wait for days, if not weeks, to see if there's feedback. And I remember I would talk to my son and he would say, well, dad, I just applied to a job. I'm going to wait and see how it goes. Well, no. (laughs) Anybody that's going to actively search for something, that people don't know this, the average candidate has to apply to 37 jobs before you get an interview. That's an wow. amazing amount. And it's partly because it's process, it's technology. It might be that there's 300 candidates that are in line ahead of you and they just didn't get to you. There's a million reasons you don't know about as to why you may or may not get considered. 
but to try to help people understand. It's just like weight loss, right? I can't do 20 sit-ups and get my six-pack abs back. <laughs> it takes a long time <laughs> and a lot of work to put yourself out there. And so when I talk to people that are unemployed, I tell them, have a goal of applying for five to 10 jobs a day. Uh, until you start to get activity uh, in the interview, in the feedback levels, uh, because that's what it's going to take for you to get velocity and momentum yeah. and opportunity. You want to get to the end of your job search process with two to three different options, right? Or offers. And when you do the math on how much activity you need to do in order to get to those final two or three options, it can mean a five or 10 year difference in your quality of life, your income, and the people and experiences that become your life. And so that's worth your time to make sure that you're doing that early work and not doing this kind of light one candle apply for one job, wait and hope they get back to you because you don't want to expose yourself. It's time in the job search process to get thick skin, to be open and uh, get feedback about what people liked or didn't like so that you can continually improve and continually keep introducing yourself. Every new application should be a better representation of yourself from the last one. And you'll just get better at it with practice. I, I think you hit on just a couple of things. I think it's not you. I think that's really important. Often, Probably most exactly. of the time when you don't get a job, it has nothing to do with you. So don't think they're rejecting you. But then the third one that you hit, which is so powerful, is if you get an interview, take the interview, represent yourself. You'll get better at interviewing. And actually, you're talking about Learn that. One of the jobs I got, I got because I interviewed to the person and they said, well, you're not right for this job, but there's another job that you would be right for. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, with a different company entirely, but they knew somebody else. Yeah. So, wow, that, that's really powerful uh, advice right there. Well, and expect it to be a full-time job, right? Because uh, this stuff takes time. You know, I mean, especially if you're doing it, like Doug is saying, with uh, as much, uh, you know, mindfulness about the words you're using and, and how you are placing them in your profile and how you are positioning yourself to a company by, by leveraging the same type of vernacular, the same type of language that that company is, is using as well. It, you know, if you are on the job hunt, you know, in part, uh, expect it to be a bit of a full-time job. Absolutely. Um, do, you, do you have any last pieces of advice for folks out there who are really working hard to, to find their next gig? I would only say get to know yourself and get to know the market. Learn the language of your career area and then connect, connect, connect with people, with companies, and learn, learn how to uh, manage your own emotions and expectations <laughs> uh, when you're going through that job. See it largely not as a judgmental, I'm not good enough kind of a thing. See it as a, I'm still learning about myself and constantly improving myself kind of thing. Because one will defeat you, the other will make you better and stronger. Right on. Well, I really appreciate it, Doug. Thank you so much for joining the Work Matters Podcast. Been my pleasure, guys. Wow, Steve. <laughs> I mean, that was amazing. What did you take away from that? I want to take Doug and take him around like every college <laughs> and high school in the entire country and have him talk to like every student. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I just blown away. I, I think a couple of things I took away. One is that the way he's talking about it, think about it, he's almost like saying, don't approach a job search like you're trying to overcome barriers. It's a journey of education and self-discovery. Sure. Go out learn how these companies talk about the kind of work you want to do. Learn how other people that do the stuff you want to do describe themselves. Approach every interview 
as a chance to learn more both how to present yourself, what these jobs are about, and it, you know this whole idea of, of, of take it as, an, as a, a, a self-discovery learning journey as opposed to a barrier. I thought that was so powerful. And his point about, you, you know, when you were talking about informational interviews, we're having them all the time. Tell everyone you're looking for work. Ask them about their work. You never know who's going to have that, that observation. I thought that. And then I think the last thing that he hit that I'm so glad he shared was 35 to 1. Hey, look. Don't take not getting a job as a rejection. It's probably not. It probably has nothing to do with you. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because it is this ongoing learning process, you know, and, and each step that you make is going to continuously make you better at, uh, at, at seeking to understand what an organization is looking for. And then, and then really uh, tuning your message, so to speak, to what they need, but, but also really ensuring that that is the right fit for you. Because I really like what Doug mentioned earlier about getting down the road. You know what I mean? Picture yourself 25 years down the road, or I guess it depends on how old you are, right? Um, but picture yourself down the road and the kind of uh, impact that a career has on your life over the course of time. And also, please don't be afraid to say no if this isn't the right fit for you. Yeah, I think absolutely on this. And I guess lots of the technology, I think people do think it's a barrier, but I look back in my own career, we're lucky to have it. We can learn so much more, but it is that don't view the technology as a barrier, view it as a, a, a yeah. place to learn and you can learn a lot more, you know. It's time to wrap up this show. Um, Robert, uh, fascinating discussion. Again, I'm Steve Hunt. This is Robert Richardson. I hope that you enjoyed Work Matters today. And what matters this week at work? Finding a job matters. So thank you very much. And Next we'll see episode. you.